I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kiwi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Doug McIntyre in for John and Ken. We're here till four when Conway comes along. And uh, if you've got a teenager or a young 20 something kid who's in his bedroom gaming 24 hours a day, uh, you want to stay with us because we're going to talk about that later on. We have a professor from Texas AM who's done a big study on what that social life becomes, that virtual social life becomes, especially for young men. Uh, the debate tonight in Iowa, we'll talk about that more on the smash and grabs and the takedown of that plane carrying the head of the Wagner group. A little uh, uh, vengeance is best served cold, right? Revenge is best served cold. Well, this was more lukewarm. It was only two months ago that he led that uh, uh, challenge to Putin's authority, and it has been uh, paid back in spades, to say the least. But your Los Angeles City Council has sprung into action and uh, sprung a new deal approved uh, for the LAPD, a four-year contract representing the Los Angeles Department officers, detectives, and lieutenants to explain exactly how this came about. KFI's Steve Gregory. Doug, how are you? I'm fine. I'm indoors. I got no heavy lifting. There's air conditioning. <laughs> there you and there's go. donuts outside. And there's donuts out there. Okay. Yeah. Welcome to radio, right? By the way, I saw a story. I got it in this, my stack of stories that Heidi Klum, supermodel Heidi Klum, says that she admitted she only eats 900 calories a day. Steve, I ate 900 calories driving to KFI. I know, right? I'm, I'm 900 calories just at the break room. Just my one little <laughs> no, quick visit. You can pick up 200 calories oh, just walking past the donuts. I know, I know. Yeah, you know, this has been a contentious contract. This has been one of those that, um, uh, you know, frankly, for a while there, didn't know it was going to get passed or not, at least in its current form. 
But uh, at issue here was recruitment and retention. I think those are the two primary words that LAPD have had to deal with now since 2020. Um, a lot has been made about uh, the impact that the protests and the events of 2020 had on law enforcement in general. But LAPD's morale had really dipped down to the lowest that I had seen it since I've been here. And officers were starting to do lateral moves to other agencies. Yep. They were taken off, going to other places. Much higher paying jobs with lower cost of living. So the um, the attraction of the LAPD was starting to wane quite a bit. But in um, the city council... Uh, back in 2020, they and the mayor supported, you know, this whole defund movement that started. And I think that's what started to erode the trust and confidence of the officers and the boots on the ground. Now, fast forward a few years, there's a contract that was being considered and they were they're hitting some hard times in terms of, um, you know, numbers and bodies in the LAPD. Even the mayor's office admitted that LAPD staffing has dipped below one, th I mean, more than 1,000 officers. And as crime continues to sort of creep up, homicides are down overall, which is, uh, they're back to, it's crazy. They're having to say pre-pandemic levels now. Um, that's a benchmark. So homicides have gotten back down to the normal for L.A., but property crime it just continues to skyrocket. skyrocket. Exactly. Yeah. So there are problems still out there to be uh, handled. The politics of this, though, Steve, is fascinating because in physics, I have a B in English, by the way. I have no idea what physics. I know gravity. Okay. Uh, but in physics, there's a law that says for every action is an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. Well, that's sort of true in politics as well. They're not always equal uh, reactions, but there's generally opposite reactions eventually. We're seeing this, for instance, on LGBTQ issues, uh, where, where all of a sudden the LAUSD, yes, it was a big dueling protest in front of LAUSD headquarters that the cops got stuck in the middle of. Right. But, and I think that in the aftermath of the George Floyd uh, riots and disturbances and protests and the whole Black Lives Matter, we had to defund the police movement. And now we're seeing, you know, you could say George Gascon or whatever. You could see the, the so-called reforms that have resulted in a huge spike in crime, despite the fact they deny that there's a cause and effect. And there's a political pressure on even L.A. City Council people and Mayor Bass to do something about it because it's really an issue. It's a huge problem. Well, and then I think, too, the latest council members, the brand new ones, the real green ones, um, are in office and they're real bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I don't, you know, they haven't quite been tainted yet by by the machine of the government. But uh, I want to play for you now this uh, clip A, Eric. Uh, Eunice, Eunice Hernandez is one of the newest members of the council. And her sort of um, simplistic view of what the police department brings to the city versus what the other services do. I hear from constituents every day who are frustrated with the pace that we deliver our municipal services and I share their frustrations. It shouldn't take us seven years to fix a sidewalk. We shouldn't be limited in the number of alleys we can repave. I learned that we only get two alleys per year. The number of speed humps we can install, the number of streetlights we can fix. But we invest over a quarter of our general funds into just one department. And by doing that, we are shortchanging our 50 plus other departments and their ability to deliver on the services that make our communities thrive. This contract is coming before us today despite the lack of clarity on how we will pay for an additional billion dollars in salary costs over the next four years. And, uh, you know, I listened I, I listened to the whole thing uh, on this agenda item from beginning to end. And um, she literally suggested that 
Um, if we, you know, reduce the cost to the LAPD and do not honor this contract, that we can afford to put more alleys in her constituency or in her jurisdiction or her district, and we can, you know, increase services in trash and other city services. Well, this has always been the challenge for uh, local elected officials. You know, we, we get wrapped up in things like Supreme Court decisions, and rightly so. Occasionally, the Supreme Court has something before it that has massive societal implications. But if you want to see a genuinely nonpartisan court, you go to night court. Night court's dealing with, you know, uh, shoe leather. Sure. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and city council members, despite the fact that the L.A. City Council will uh, frequently wade into, you know, ruling on whether free and fair elections in Guatemala or things that are just so far off the reservation that you can't even you can't even figure out how the hell they even got to that. But it basically it's leaves clogging a storm drain in their district and an, an unpaved alley in her district is an issue for her constituents. But what happens here is you start to see uh, different segments of the budget are now in, thrown in competition with each other, that there's X amount of dollars available. And if you give X to the cops, then that means X doesn't, Y doesn't get their piece of the pie that they feel. And that's what local politics is, is figuring out how that pie gets cut off. Right. And, and, you know, to your point, you know, you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. I mean, it's it's pretty simple, really. But you know the the LAPD is a general fund uh, department. I mean, their their department is strictly general fund. Uh, there are other departments that have you know earmarked funding that continues in a different funding channel. But LAPD draws from that general fund. That means some things may not happen faster than others, and that means that there may not be that. Um, you know, that that service or that new alley or whatever the case is. But to suggest somehow that, you know, we're not going to get an alley now, but the cops are going to get a raise. It, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of people, considering what they're seeing on TV every night. Well, clearly the city council, the majority of the city council erred on the side of we're giving the cops the raise because they've seen the smash and grab robberies. They've seen they've heard the complaints from their constituents about crime, despite the denials from the uh, from the authorities. And here's here's the ugly secret. And this is I don't think we can afford us is really the issue because the budgets keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the take that government is receiving, despite, for instance, them blaming Prop 13 for everything, the, California takes in more money every single yeah. year. It's not just that we're laying out more money, but we're taking in more money every single year. And yet nobody's happy with anything. Nobody's happy with the surface of the road. They're not happy with the way the cops respond. There's not enough cops, not enough law enforcement, and there's not enough judges, and there's not enough jail space, and there's not enough schools, and there's not enough teachers, and there's not enough parks, and there's not enough roads, and there's not enough, not enough, not enough. So at some point, I'm not sure what the answer to this is, but nobody's ever happy with that result. No, but one thing is for sure, and one thing is uh, is going to be fully funded, and that's each of the security details for each of the council members yeah and you know something uh, which is lapd yeah and 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 i can't even look i you know we have so many lunatics being in public office or in public life in general right now is so risky and so there was some woman who was just arrested for threatening to shoot donald trump and baron trump in the face yeah i mean and then we had the guy in utah that was going to kill joe biden when he was coming i mean and it's not just presidents it's down to it's basically anybody in fact didn't uh uh, somebody got dragged off the stage of the 92nd Y, some 
celebrity. I uh, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, because she had a stalker, and the guy yeah. showed up. I mean, that's just a sad reality. Well, here's th- but here's the thing, Doug. I mean, yeah, that's fine, but there's also hate crime out there that needs addressed. Yep. There's also crimes against the LGBTQ community that need addressed, but they don't have the benefit of a security detail, but their threat is every bit as real as a council member. That's absolutely true. Steve Gregory, as always, so this one's through. Uh, Four-year deal for the LAPD, uh, estimated uh, additional cost of $384 million uh, by the fourth year of the agreement. Okay, coming back, the debate tonight in Iowa. And speaking of crime, the smash and grabbers were out in force. Later on, if you got a kid that's hanging in his room gaming all the time, it may not be as bad as we think it is. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. The Iowa uh, debate is tonight the first of the GOP debates as we start the long slog uh, towards nominating conventions and the 2024 election. Uh, President Trump, of course, is not going to be there. And he's supposed to be in Georgia tomorrow to surrender on those uh, the latest indictment. Rudy Giuliani, uh, he returned uh, to Georgia uh, this morning and surrendered. And the mugshot is out. You can find that easily on the web. He's not looking. He's not. He, Rudy did not opt for the smiling mugshot. You know, how some people like to. I think Trump, if they make him do the tr- uh, the uh, mugshot, and uh, we've heard reports going both ways on that. I think Donald Trump will give a big happy smile. He's good at that. Rudy Giuliani looks like a guy who just got indicted. <laughs> he's not look too happy about it. But there's no hair dye running down the side of his face, so he's got that going for him. Uh, anyway, uh, tonight. Uh, the Republicans will be on stage. Ron DeSantis is uh, fighting for his political existence here because he's the guy who actually thought he could be president. A lot of the others, well, of course, uh, Mike Pence is hoping that somehow he catches fire and he could uh, somehow uh, find favor with Republican voters. He's a, an impo- He's got an impossible putt because the Trump people are never going to forgive him. So he's never going to win. Doug Burgum of North Dakota may not even be able to be there tonight. Apparently, he hurt his leg playing pickup basketball with his staffers, uh, but I'm sure he'll limp out there. Chris Christie of New Jersey is not actually running for president. He's running for his quote-unquote rehabilitated reputation uh, by going after Donald Trump. Uh, Asa Hutchinson, the uh, former governor of Arkansas uh, and former uh, Homeland Security guy, uh, he is also running anti-Trump, so he's got no chance either. And Nikki Haley and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, how do you pronounce his name? I still can't get the You said it right. correctly. Did I say it yep. right? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a miracle. Anyway, uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina uh, and Larry Elder and uh, Perry Johnson and Francis X. Suarez, the mayor of Miami, who are not in tonight's debate. Uh, all of those people are actually running for vice president. And that's true. And that's what you do. That's how you end up as the number two person on the ticket is you get your name out there and you show something, some kind of fire or some kind of constituency or you present well. And then as the campaign gets closer to picking the number two on the VP, uh, uh, the VP slot and they're filling in the brackets, you may check a box that the president, the presidential candidate needs. And that's how Kamala Harris ended up. On their uh, running with uh, Joe Biden, because after the George Floyd and the whole Minnesota uh, incident and all of the fallout, Black Lives Matter, they wanted to have a female candidate and they wanted to have a person of color. And she checked the box. Now, since then, she's been nothing but a liability. 
not only for Joe Biden, but for the Democratic Party and for the country, in my opinion. Uh, and I'm sure they'd love. In fact, the L.A. Times even went so far as to argue that uh, Dianne Feinstein should resign from the Senate and Gavin Newsom should offer the Senate seat back to Kamala Harris and send her back to the Senate. And then Biden could have a fresh slate to pick somebody else. Uh, maybe Gavin Newsom. A anyway, the point is, is that the VP pick, uh, sadly, and with sometimes with disastrous results for the country, uh, is rarely about governing, about somebody being qualified and prepared to take over the country. Because look, we took out this Russian story with Prigozhin plane coming down and uh, Putin taking down another foe. Now, this is who's running Russia right now, is a murderer. Let's not pretend that he's that putin is somebody else he's a murderer he's a killer he's a cold-blooded killer a guy who who still mourns the loss of the soviet union and the winner of the 2024 election whether it's doddering old joe or it's donald trump or it's somebody else has got to deal with this threat and it's a real threat i mean i know we don't like to think about this stuff that all that cold war stuff we thought we left that in a rearview mirror uh, duck and cover drills and all that stuff. But it's a it's a real issue because if Ukraine falls, then does Poland fall? And let's not forget the last time we had a uh, mysterious plane crash in uh, in Russia, it was the president of Poland who was a severe Putin critic and his plane went down and we still haven't gotten a straight answer on what happened there. We forgot about that, didn't we? And then it was MH17. Remember when Malaysian airline flight 17, not the one that... Uh, went down in the Pacific somewhere that has never been found, but the one that was shot down by a Russian missile. Uh, well, they denied that they did that, except we found Russian missile parts in the cockpit wreckage. So, so we're going to have to deal with this issue, and it's a real serious problem going forward. So when we have all of our intramural arguments over, you know, Bud Light and banning, you know, Bud Light beer because we don't like the marketing campaign – that had a transgender person on a can of beer and was screaming at each other over that. Meanwhile, Putin's offing his competitors. <laughs> I mean, you know, who knows? Eventually we'll get some kind of story and everybody's speculating that maybe Prigozhin wasn't on the plane, that there was a body double and all that James Bond stuff. It could be true. What do I know? I'm just saying we're never going to see Prigozhin in, in, in public again. All right. His, uh, he's taking his bow from this. And by the way, not a lot of tears shed over this character. Because he was, talk about cold-blooded killers. This guy had, you know, was heading a mercenary army that was uh, basically for hire and just going killing people and recruiting soldiers in the prisons of Russia, taking murderers out of prison and say, yeah, we'll let you out of jail if you go kill the Ukrainians. This is not a good player. Uh, the only downside is his plane didn't land on Putin. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, we got all kinds of things going on. Uh, hey, if you got a kid that never leaves his room because he's addicted to gaming... It may not be as dire as you think. We're going to talk with a professor who's done a study of this life, which is mysterious to me. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Doug McIntyre in for John and Ken. And uh, we're here till four o'clock when Tim Conway Jr. comes along. So we got lots to talk about, including more on uh, tonight's debate. For those of you following that stuff, the smash and grabs, as well as the takedown of an opponent of uh, Vladimir Putin, which is uh, obviously a huge story with long uh, and deep implications going forward. But uh, close to the home, you may have a kid or maybe a grandson or a nephew or just know somebody who spends a lot of time in the room gaming. Uh, I've got a nephew, and I don't mind talking about it because we talk about this all the time with him. Uh, who is a gamer, and he uh, basically is a hermit. He comes out a couple of times. We, we we actually don't even know if he has legs because we only see him from the waist up. But he's a, a habitual gamer, and he has an online life and a relationship with his friends, including his brother and his sister, by the way, who live in Brooklyn. He lives in North Carolina. And he talks to them constantly, but it's all in this virtual universe, which is a little mysterious to me. And, of course, uh, for those of us who don't understand this, it seems disturbing that someone would spend that much time. And yet, a new study uh, suggests that this online gaming life may actually be an important lifeline uh, for young people, and particularly young men. To talk to us about it right now, I read this piece yesterday. I wanted to talk with the author. He's a professor at Texas A&M University. It's a pleasure to welcome Professor Tyler Prochnow. Did I get your name correct? Oh, I've, I've heard way worse. You did good. Um, proc now, but yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate uh, it. I appreciate you coming on, and this is really pretty interesting. So you studied uh, specifically an all-male online football gaming community over the course of a year, and what you found was that the members 
who reported more depressive symptoms and less real-life support were 40% more likely to form and maintain social ties with their fellow gamers compared to those who are actually looking for real-life support. Yeah, and I think maybe the important distinction there is um, maybe they are looking for in-real-life support, but um, they didn't have as much as some of the other members of that online community. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make the case, and my data cannot support the fact that, um, you know, online support is better than in-real-life support. That is not the case. That is not what I'm here to say. It's just that some, for some individuals that are lacking that in-real-life support, that in-person support, these online communities can serve a role um, as a supplementary kind of social support or social structure. It's like a third channel uh, between professional help and, and family support where people are finding, and, and specifically we're going to get to the issue of young men, are finding this, they're creating a social safety net of sorts through their online gaming communities. And that does bring us to the issue of young men. It's, uh, it's specifically young men that you studied. Why is that? So uh, partly it was off of convenience. Uh, the site that we looked at was just naturally all male, uh, given the fact that it, is a, it was a very small site. It was focused towards football. We did not select all males based on that, but that site was all male. But it raises a very interesting question for individuals that are looking for a place to connect, specifically young men in the digital age. Um, a lot of them do find solace, find escape in online or just video gaming in general. And this community or this site gave them a place to connect with others and uh, not necessarily people that are around them either across the country, across the world. Well, that's, I've, I've talked about the around the world, the international aspect of the gaming lifestyle, and there's some astonishing, I think, uh, social changes uh, that are happening uh, all around the world because of this, where kids are growing up and they don't necessarily have attachments to their community in the traditional sense uh, because they are citizens of the world. They're growing up playing games with people on the other side of the planet. So their interests and connections may not necessarily be allegiant to their home city or their home state or even their home country. But we'll save that conversation for some other day. Uh, we know that sociologists, and we've seen all kinds of spikes. In fact, yesterday on yesterday's show, we were talking about the huge spike in suicide. Uh, in the, we had lost almost 50,000 people to suicide last year. And we know that there's all kinds of pressures on young Young people, do you see a correlation between this and, for instance, COVID isolation? So you know that, that's a great point, and um, I, I'll be just you know very frank and honest with with what my data can say is I cannot say that you know these online gaming sites are um, beneficial for mental health. Uh, I think we need to add a lot more nuance. We need um, in my future studies, uh, we're looking at how we can look at that in a causal inference type of of situation. Um, but to, to more directly, you know, get at your point there, um, I, I think, you know, what we're, what we're really approaching is um, that these individuals can have meaningful conversations and it's not just um, about uh, the game or anything like that, that they're really building this richer social structure um, around that, you know, maybe especially during COVID, they couldn't get out and you know see their friends or what it, whatever that might be. 
but they could connect through these portals or through these gaming sites and, and communities. Um, and as we saw, you know, with everything moving more digital, um, I think we need to better understand what these connections look like and how to harness them for mental health and to improve our lives. We talk with uh, Tyler Prochnow. He's a professor at Texas A&M uh, University and the author of this study. And uh, you know, obviously, we've we've all all covered the issue of uh, of of untoward online activities. You know, whether it's Al Qaeda recruiting uh, terrorists or hate groups that can find uh, new followers uh, through these uh, online communities, uh, but. I know from my personal experience that, and I don't fit the demographic group at all, but I, while I was talking to you, I realized I've got friends because I live out here and I grew up on the East Coast. I got friends that I've been talking to for the last easily five years, if not more, pre-COVID, that I've been talking to through Zoom or, or FaceTime or some of the other technology that's available to us. And I realized that I have had an ongoing relationship and I actually feel like I've spent, I've been in the room with them. That I am totally up and current on what's going on in their lives. They know what's going on in my life. And it's totally virtual. It's not an actual physical contact with anybody. I mean, you make a great point. I mean, even if you think about some of your family members or your friends, um, you know, maybe if we're talking a young adult population from college or from high school, you might not see them every day, but you can reach them via text message, via phone call, whatever it might be. And these people online through this online gaming community were reachable in the same ways. Uh, we talked to them and we asked them, you know, what, what do you talk about with other people on here? And we saw a plethora of different conversation topics um, that stretched beyond talking about the game. So we're, we're trying to add nuance to this and really try to, to look at what these online mediated connections could mean for mental health going forward. Well, for sure. I know I know from many conversations with younger people who live this life that as parents, we tend to look at this as antisocial and they look at it as exactly the opposite. They believe using the tools of the era in which they live, that they're being completely engaged socially. It's just different. It's a different tool. It's not a party line. You know, and I go into a record hop. It's the the age that they are in the age of the digital universe. Uh, Tyler, thanks so much for being with us. If folks want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh, so my email is on the uh, the conversation page. Otherwise, you can find me on my uh, faculty page at the School of Public Health at Texas A and M. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got a lot to get into uh, the rest of the way. We're here till four when Tim Conway Jr. comes along. And uh, I want to remind you, by the way, you know, I wrote this book. I don't know if anybody heard that. I've only told you this 8,000 times. But I have a novel out called Frank Shadow that I'm very proud of. And you can get that at Barnes & Noble. Uh, dot com or Amazon.com. You can even get it at my very own website, which is uh, Doug McIntyre.com. You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM 640. Doug McIntyre in for John and Ken. Uh, Andy Fields is going to join us at the top of the next hour. Talk about tonight's uh, Iowa debate, the first official debate in the 2024 campaign. Uh, much more on Russia and the dramatic uh, story that came out of uh, Russia today with the plane crash of the head of the Wagner Group and Putin, uh, well, enemy nemesis, whether he knew it or not, that's what he became. 
And uh, Mississippi, of all places, apparently is uh, showing California on how to deal with the homeless. So we've got all that and more Conway at 4 o'clock. Uh, I was have been traveling a lot. I was on the road for a, a couple of weeks uh, this month in and out of hotels. And uh, a couple of times I had to ask for either an early check-in or a late check-out. And I was staying at flop houses, so they had no problem accommodating me. But uh, apparently... This is now becoming an issue that, like the airlines, they're starting to nickel and dime you, only these aren't nickels and dimes. Uh, according to the Hyatt Place in Boston, their Seaport Hotel, if you want to stay past 1 p.m., it's going to be $50 extra. 2 p.m., $75 extra. And if you need three extra hours, they're going to charge you 100 bucks. Choice Hotel's website says early check-in requests are, quote, subject to surcharge. New York's TWA Hotel, which is right at JFK Airport, it's kind of cool looking, advertises early check-in fees of $25 to $75 and late checkout fees of $50 to $150. And, you know, I got a theory on this that the hotels are finally uh, picking up on what the airlines have been doing. And we got to come up with a new phrase because nickel and diming you doesn't really explain it, does it? Because it's not nickels and dimes. I mean, some of the airlines, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the oxygen masks weren't coin operated. Uh, they're charging you for everything. Leg space, aisle seats, window seats, check bed, carry on bags. If you're flying Spirit and a couple of the others. I refuse to fly Spirit. Uh, I, I flew it. I, 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 it was totally on me. I, I made a trip just a couple weeks ago. I flew Spirit, and I realized I'm too old for this. <laughs> There's a stand-up comic, by the way, and I wish I knew his name. I saw it as a clip on Reels. Hilarious. He was talking about a medical emergency on a Spirit, spirit flight, Eric. And uh, the, the uh, flight attendant saying, is there a, a medical professional on board? Says, there are no medical professionals on no board. Of Spirit Airlines, right? And then it keeps going down to, has anyone seen Grey's Anatomy? You know, <laughs> I mean, you'll take what you can get on. Right. But uh, I realized that the little tiny tray tables and my knees were in my Adam's apple. And it's like, no, I can't do this. Uh, but uh, it serves its purpose. Right. Sometimes you just got to get there. And you got to get there as cheap as you can. But the airlines have figured out that, well, they've got us. You want to bring a suitcase? We have my wife and I, we were uh, Boston, New York, New Jersey, and then back out here. We had two, we had a wedding, a funeral, and two book signing events. So we're lugging all this dress clothes because otherwise we're wearing the rags I'm wearing now. And you can't do that on these fancy events. So we had to bring suits and, you know, dresses and shoes and all that stuff. So we got the big suitcases. You know, it's another, it's another 50 or or $100 just for the luggage by the time you're done. And then you go online to buy the plane tickets and to reserve a room in a hotel. And then you get the bill and between room taxes and resort fees which I really don't understand. If you go to a place, what's that place down in Palm Springs, the Marriott Desert Springs, it's got the waterfall in the lobby and there's a spa and there's a golf course. And all that. Well, you're staying at a resort. That's what you're paying for. So what's the resort fee? Uh, you know, they've just figured out that if they itemize it, they can charge you separately for it, and 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 apparently it works. Uh, Vegas has been doing this for a long. I haven't been into a Vegas hotel in a long time, but apparently they've been doing the late checkout uh, time for forever. And I suppose that you know when you're in Vegas and you've been up for 48 hours, losing your life savings, your kids now uh, can't even afford community college because uh, Daddy uh, you know split his tens. 
uh, now all of a sudden uh, you need a late checkout because you got to come up with what story you're going to tell your family when you come back on Southwest Airlines after having been up for 48 hours and losing your life savings. The nest egg is gone. Uh, they want a, a lot of people in Vegas ask for late checkouts. Plus, they're flying in from all over the world and they may have an odd departure. So they've been charging people uh, for late checkout for years. But for the rest of the hotel industry, it's largely been uh, a courtesy. But not anymore because they found out it's a profit center, just like the airlines. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another hour to go. We're here till four. Tim Conway Jr. Right now, we're going to get the latest news with Deborah Mark in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.